0: welcome to the new abbey podcast we're really glad that you're here with us today we are still in our series how does the bible work and today's conversation is part two hope and liberation enjoy we have a conversation for you all so you're going to go into your groups or you're just going to go to your fridge and make yourself some breakfast Um, you can click on the connect with us button there'll also be a link um in the conversation and you'll be answering this question with one another what are you hoping for enjoy welcome back from your groups Uh, i love getting a couple texts over the break that i look like i'm at least 12 years old right now that's good you know it's It's good to have this baby face and to wear the attire of an adolescent. And that's what I'm going for. It's a a strong look, and somebody's got to do it. Uh, Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Aveeno lotion, $6. You can buy it at Target. That's my full moisturizing routine if you're looking for the secrets of success. If you're spending hundreds of dollars, you're wasting your time. Just a little Aveeno lotion after I get out of the shower and baby face. Uh, We're in the series, How Does the Bible Work? And the hope is that you can go to 30,000 feet a little bit and get this bigger picture and glimpse of why these words have somehow survived thousands and thousands of years through billions and billions of people reading them, allowing them to shape their lives. And why would they actually still work in a place like Los Angeles in 2020? And so where I want to go today is that we're going to talk about the book of Exodus and the themes that I hope that you get out of it are hope and liberation, that we all need hope to make it through these journeys, that we're longing through the hope in our lives to be liberated or to be freed into new adventures or to new realms or new possibilities in our lives. And so, before I get into my usual list of things that I hope to do, I would like to share with you all a little piece of Dr. Seuss. So sit back, grab that teddy bear, grab a blanket, or reminisce when you were 18 and somebody bought this book for you, uh, because everybody got this book when they graduated high school, oh, the places you'll go. I'm only going to read part of it in the middle, uh, and it's going to set us up for where we're going today. Oh, the places you'll go, you'll be on your way up, you'll be seeing great sights, you'll join the high flyers who soar to high heights. You won't lag behind because you'll have the speed, you'll pass the whole gang, and you'll soon take the lead. Wherever you fly, you'll be best of the best, wherever you go, you will top all the rest. And most of the time, I wish this book ended here. It does not, except when you don't, because sometimes you won't. I'm sorry to say, but sadly it's true that bang-ups and hang-ups can happen to you. You can get all hung up in a prickly perch and your gang will fly on. You'll be left in a lurch. You'll come down from the lurch with an unpleasant bump and the chances are then that you'll be in a slump. And when you're in a slump, you're not in for much fun. Unslumping yourself is not easily done. You'll come to a place where the streets are not marked. Some windows are lighted, but mostly they're dark. A place you could sprain both your elbow and chin. Do you dare to stay out? Do you dare to go in? How much can you lose? How much can you win? And if you go in, should you turn left or right or right in three quarters or maybe not quite? Or go around back and sneak in from behind? Simple it's not, I'm afraid you will find. For a mind maker upper to make up her mind. You can get so confused that you'll start into race down long wiggled roads at a breaknecking pace and grind on for miles across weirdish wild space, headed, I fear, towards a most useless place the waiting place. For people just waiting, waiting for a train to go, or a bus to come, or a plane to go, or the mail to come, or the rain to go or the phone to ring, or the snow to snow, or waiting around for a yes or no, or waiting for their hair to grow, everyone is just waiting. Waiting for the fish to bite, or waiting for wind to fly a kite, or waiting around for Friday night, or waiting perhaps for their Uncle Jake, or a pot to boil, or better, break. Of a string of pearls, of a pair of pants, or a wig with curls, or another chance, everyone is just waiting. No, no. That's not for you. Somehow you'll escape all that waiting and staying. You'll find the bright places where boom bands are playing. With banner flip-flapping, once more you'll ride high, ready for anything under the sky. The book of Exodus is this grand setup of a people who've been waiting, that the story of Genesis ends with the story of Joseph, that the people of God had entered into covenant that they have experienced this new radical God who meets individuals and people exactly where they're at, that this isn't a violent or an angry God like all of the other gods of the cultures around them, that this God is intentional, this God cares about your purpose, this God cares about your life and the intricacies and the complications of what makes you, you. And when we get to the story of Joseph, the people of God are in Egypt, And then all of a sudden, things start to go wrong. That they were flying to high places and everything was working out in this new covenant with Yahweh. And then all of a sudden, the old powers had died. The old Pharaoh and the old king uh, was no longer there. And there's this story that for 400 years, the people of God wait. And what I love about the scriptures is that the scriptures are messy. The scriptures give us these big external stories about life to say, what if this is actually a part of your story? What if there are big ups and there's dreams and there's everything that you imagined? It was that job that you always wanted. It was the relationship that you craved. It was all of the hopes that you could have ever dreamed of. You finally got that gig. They picked up your song. You made that TV show. You named the thing. You got there. And then a few years have gone by and now you're waiting again. Things aren't working out for you. There's complications, there's difficulty, there's wondering, there's the deepest questions that ache within us in the human soul. Where is God? And that, my friends, is where we're going today. So to have these conversations, we're gonna talk about some things. We're gonna talk about hope. We're gonna talk about that God liberates people and in God liberating people, there's actually some boundaries to our freedom. And that if there are some boundaries, how do we go unlearn some things and be lifelong unlearners of all of the bad theology that we were given about the Bible and about God and about our humanity? Then we can take a macro picture of the Golden Gate Bridge, and then we can understand these stories anew from the external and the internal perspectives. And then we get to the money of the conversation, that there is a liberation of time. That when we are liberated from time, the power of the past changes, that there is a new future, that Jesus has everything to say about this conversation, and then maybe, just maybe, we enter into some different freedom. Hope is an interesting thing. Hope and faith are fascinating to me because we look at hope and we talk about words like faith in all of the ways that are actually not helpful. A lot of times when we think of the word faith, we actually think of certitude. That's what was given to us, that you'll have better answers and two plus two always equals four and somehow we told you that was faith. No, that's not faith at all. Faith is the wondering, the doubting, the figuring it out. Hope is not that you have everything going for you. Hope is that you are looking into the barrel of a category five hurricane and somehow you still have the capacity to look into the storm, to be confident of this fact that I don't know how I will ever get through this storm, but I have hope that I might. And that we need these big, beautiful narratives of scripture to say there have been millions and billions of people who have gone before us And they have all looked into so many similar storms that we're looking into today. And they made it through those storms. This is not just receive and believe and just name it and claim it and it will all go away. But this is saying, yes, God has been there with billions of people over thousands of years in their most difficult situations when everything seemed bleak. And a storm that they never thought they would have the capacity or the resilience to get through, they actually did. And then hope becomes more powerful that as you start to go through storms in your life, then what you begin to do is you become a messenger of hope. That as storms come in other people's lives, you know that you've seen a storm like this before. And you can go stand in front of them and that you invite them to stand behind you, that you would block the wind and the rain from their lives because they may not know it. They may have never gotten through this storm before, but you have, and you can give them hope. And you need other people who give you hope and stand for you in those moments. And what we need more than anything, maybe the thing that we need to reclaim, maybe the thing that we need to reconstruct, that no matter how progressive we get, and things should progress and evolve and grow, that when you are in the most difficult situations of your life, your liberal theology will not work for you. There will come a moment where you just need to call out to God and deconstructing everything and letting it go and being angry and being so smart and having read 18,000 books doesn't do anything compared to just being in a moment where you just cry out and say, I need something bigger than me, Follow along with me in Exodus chapter two. Years passed and the king of Egypt died, but the Israelites continued to groan under the burden of slavery. They cried out for help and their cry rose up to God and God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And she looked down on the people of Israel and knew it was time to act. That what the story is saying is that, again, the end of the Genesis story is Joseph and the people of God are in Egypt and that previous Pharaoh died and there's 400 years of slavery. And now all of a sudden there's a new Pharaoh in town who believes that the Hebrews and the Israelites have become too powerful and they begin to oppress and burden these people. The power of these narratives that the Pharaoh in the Exodus story is never named. It's never named for an important reason that so many of us have been taught to read the Bible literally. So many of us have been taught to read the Bible just as factual historical events that somehow were recorded on a DVR. That is not how you should read the Bible. The Bible should be taken seriously for truth, not literally for facts. Are there facts that can be in there that might be helpful to you? Sure, but they're wrapped in poems and prose, Right, And they're wrapped in huge narratives that have so many layers of meanings to them. So that if we get into the massive stories that are in the Bible, like the story of Exodus, and what we're trying to figure out is, well, was this Ramesses II in 1364 B.C.? Or was this this Pharaoh? You're asking giant questions that are missing the point. The point of the story is you will go through a season of your life where you feel oppressed, And we don't name the Pharaoh for a reason because there will be all kinds of Pharaohs in your life who will come, who you will ask bigger questions of how do I get out of this? That there are times that you will feel hopeless and that you don't have anything left and you will cry out to God. And this bigger story says that God, even when you feel the most God forsaken, shows up. There's a reason that on the cross, Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? because we've all been there. We've all been in those moments where we thought that we couldn't get through and somehow we did and we went and looked back and we saw that God was somehow there the whole time. So the story of Exodus picks up with Moses being born in the midst of oppression And these stories work whether it's systemic slavery and oppression and issues in the world or it's your own individual oppression and pain and hurts. So wherever you need to hear this story today, hear it from that lens. It can handle all of the complexities of your individual life. And this story can handle all of the complexities of the systemic issues in our modern world in 2020. The story has the power to do that when we allow it to do that, when we allow it to get bigger. And so Moses is born into a complex situation where things aren't going well for the Israelites. Moses is put in this basket by his mother because Pharaoh has been killing all of the baby boys out of fear. As the Pharaohs do in our life, they kill and destroy us because of fear. Sometimes those Pharaohs are people close to you Sometimes those pharaohs are systemic larger things that are beyond you and sometimes those pharaohs are components of your own self. That those pharaohs try to kill you out of fear. And the story is that Moses is put in a basket and floats down the river and Pharaoh's daughter finds Moses. And then Moses' actual sister comes and finds Pharaoh's daughter. And then uh, they bring baby Moses back to Moses' mom. The story goes full circle. That Moses grows up between two worlds, between Pharaoh's house and between the Israelites. That eventually Moses will get older and Moses will kill one of the Egyptians for hurting one of the Israelites. And he runs off into this journey. And the first 40 years of Moses' life, and the Bible does this with 40 years, is trying to say that there's this full season that happened where Moses is figuring out who he is. And isn't that your story? that there's all these complexities to your narrative that you didn't choose and who was putting you in the basket and who was mom or dad and raising you and there was these systemic things going on. It's just the things that were given to you and you're figuring out your life. And then Moses goes into a wilderness. It's like saying he went to the place where he started to deconstruct. He went to the place where he was asking bigger questions about the world. And here we get to Exodus chapter 3. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. And there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. And Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. How many of us have been here where we're now in a place of deconstruction that you can only see fresh things in your life because you're in a place now of asking all of these questions? Moses in this story has already left Egypt. He's in a wilderness, just like we all go to wildernesses. And somehow isn't it interesting that it wasn't the comfort of the palace where God shows up? That it was in the wilderness and in the journey of letting go and moving on that the divine appears. And that the rabbis always say this beautiful phrase that it wasn't that Moses saw the bush burning. It's that the bush was always burning and Moses finally had eyes to see it. How many of us have gone through the darkest seasons of our life only to be given eyes to see the realities of our life that we would have never seen if we were sitting at the Four Seasons with a Mai Tai? Praise God, I want that for all of you. That it's through the difficulties, that it's through the wilderness that we actually find life. And the story of Exodus will go on and we all know the story that Moses ends up going back and Moses tells Pharaoh and tells the people of God that Yahweh, this God who made covenant from the past is the God that's still here today. That even though it feels like God's forsaken you and that you have so many bigger questions, what if God showed up in the most God forsaken places even when you weren't ready for it? And like all of the Pharaohs in our life who are bound by fear, this Pharaoh fights back. And this story is all about this reality of hope that what if it's God who's standing between you and the storm? What if that's not a cheesy evangelical line, but what if you've surrounded yourself with enough people who have maturity that they can talk about their life and say, honestly, it was beyond me. Honestly, God showed up for me in a way that I could never imagine and they tell you narratives about their wilderness and that there was a God who came and handled the Pharaohs that they couldn't handle on their own. You still had to go confront Pharaoh and that's incredibly terrifying. But somehow you made it through that and the story of Exodus is of the plagues and all the lasers and light shows come out with this God and eventually the story ends and the people of Israel go through this Red Sea, right? Go through the chaos of these waters and come out to new land. And as they've been liberated, as they've been freed from all of the pharaohs that have enslaved them for far too long, now is the question that we all ask. Now that I have found freedom, what will I use my freedom for? And just like Moses when he left and he was in the wilderness for 40 years, now Moses, because he was in the wilderness for 40 years, he's gonna take the people of God, the Israelites, into the wilderness for another 40 years. That they didn't leave, right? They didn't leave Egypt and go to a Sandals Beach resort in Cancun. <laughs> they left Egypt and went into a wilderness. Because now they're freed and now they actually got to go figure out what this actually means. And I have this conversation with so many people at New Abbey. Don't mistake your freedom for doing whatever you want, that's not freedom. Freedom is when you realize that you've been liberated, that you've been healed from something beyond your own capacity. And will you use that freedom to go heal other people? Will you be like Moses and after your time in the wilderness, go stand as a person of hope in front of other people so that they can get through their wilderness? Or will your freedom just be, I can do whatever I want now, grinder for days, in Jesus' name? <laughs> and some of it I'm joking with, and I'm actually not here to make a judgment on that. Like, honestly, this is, the, this is the journey. You get to go choose your journey. But you get to ask yourself, am I really living into freedom now that I've been liberated from that Pharaoh? Or am I just putting new Pharaohs in my life? That's what God's asking us. And what we miss so often in the story is the bigger picture of where it's going. There's a reason that for the rest of Exodus after this, we'll get the 10 commandments. And then eventually we'll get to the book of Deuteronomy, which is all about this. Now that you have been freed, now that you have been liberated from the thing that you were begging God to liberate you from for years, are you gonna waste your freedom just on yourself? And I mean that. Because we live in a culture that says it's just all about loving yourself. As long as you love yourself, like kind of screw everybody else. That's not love. You don't love anybody on a vac- in a vacuum. You don't love anybody on an island. Your freedom will affect other people. It has to affect other people. There are boundaries in place to do that. But here's how it works out. As you work through maturity, as you work out through this life of God, those boundaries will continue to increase. Just like this. None of us are born and then our parents hand us keys and say, enjoy the interstate. <laughs> no, that's crazy. That's not freedom. That's just bad parents. And sometimes we get free and we're, and we're bad caretakers of ourselves. Maybe what happens is you have a parent who walks you across the road. And then over time you get old enough and your parent says, today you've learned to look right and left enough times. You go walk yourself across the road. And eventually, your parent doesn't even need to be outside. And eventually, you start to learn riding your bike a little bit further down the street. And then years down the road, you're able to get on the interstate and go 80 miles an hour. What I'm saying is be gracious to yourself in your liberation, but don't confuse your liberation and freedom from doing whatever you want. That might not necessarily be self-love. And that might not necessarily be freedom for all of the other people around you. And so we have lessons to learn in growing up and that's where the story takes us. And so I want you to imagine the Golden Gate Bridge. The Golden Gate Bridge is actually how the Bible works. The two pillars of the Golden Gate Bridge that actually hold up the road, those are the pillars of the Bible. In the Old Testament, it's the story of Exodus. It's the story of liberation. It's this bigger external story that speaks to all the internal truths of every human being. There will be moments in your life where you experience God's promises. There'll be moments in your life where you feel alone and God forsaken. And there will be moments where you need God to come and liberate you. That is the story that we all experience and that maturity is hard fought in the wilderness. That's the story of Exodus and Deuteronomy. The pillar of the New Testament is the story of Jesus. That this isn't just a story for the Israelites. This is a story for all of humanity. This is a story that God came to liberate all people and that God so wanted to liberate us that God would join in on the journey and become human. That's the narrative. So that we wouldn't wonder, oh, how would God do this or what would God have for us, but that we would look to the life of Jesus and say, oh, true love is this, that I would lay down my life for a friend. Do you wanna be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect? Says Matthew six, then love your enemy. That's freedom that you'll be so free, that you'll work out so much maturity that you'll bring healing to the world because you'll even find a way to love your enemy. Not in some gross way where you continue to get abused, but maybe in a way of boundaries. That there's freedom there that Jesus takes us to and the rest of the story of God is that road. It's that road from Genesis that's all about covenant and the road goes all the way through those two pillars of the Exodus story and liberation and the story of Jesus and liberation and takes us all the way through the end of scriptures, which is all about that God's covenant is what holds us together in the hope and liberation that we experience. That's the freedom that we have. And so as we're in the Exodus story, I wanna point something out that is revolutionary. In the ancient world, there was no time You gotta like get yourself here somewhere. There was no calendar, there was no clocks, there was no way of tracking days. And for 99.9% of the people born in the ancient world, you were born into some type of servitude. And all of the other ancient stories about the gods are to serve those pharaohs and those kings to keep those people in power. And the Exodus story comes around and the story of slaves who do not have time who are born and who are told a story, this is what you were born into. You were born into a wheel, into a cycle, into patterns that you cannot escape. How many of us feel that way corporately in the world? That there are just these wheels and these cycles and these patterns that are bigger than us? How many of you individually feel stuck? That you're in a waiting place? That you've tried so hard that that addiction will not escape you? that that pain never goes anywhere, that if you could just have that conversation with mom or dad, that this time it would be different, that there's all these cycles that we find ourselves in where we wonder, can I escape this? And something that the Exodus story does, the gift that it gives us is the liberation of time, that God comes into time and takes these slaves out of the wheel and the cycle and the pattern that they were given. That this God says, Pharaohs do not have to rule your life. What if you can change your life? What if you are in control of the trajectory that you're going? And so God enters into this, frees people from the patterns that they're in, takes them in the wilderness and says, and now you have some things to learn. Now, what if you're not stuck in these cycles anymore? What if this doesn't have to be you? What if you can develop tools? What if you can go to therapy? What if you can surround yourself with wise people? What if through prayer? What if through spiritual discipline? What if through going on some runs? You name it. What if through all of these healthy habits, right, or these interventions by God or other people, you could break the cycles of your life? That all of us have some concept of time, but many of us feel like that things haven't changed for us in months or for years. And what if this story still speaks to us today and says, what if things can change for you? That's the story of Exodus. That's the freedom that we're invited into. And then what happens is, then we get to reinterpret the past. Because here's the deal. We've all had pharaohs, whether it's from a corporate level or an individual level. And we all have the choice as we find freedom and liberation in our life to go back into our own pasts and to begin to have compassion on those stories or to begin to find solutions to what's going on in those stories. That's the freedom that we're given is that we can go into the past and the past no longer has to have power over us. The past no longer has to be one of those stories that endlessly controls us. This is why we have celebrations every year. This is why for the Jews, they celebrate Seder dinners. For Christians around the world, while we celebrate Easter or Christmas, we come every year and we tell the same story for thousands of years because every year that you live in liberation, you'll retell that story in a new way. You'll have new insights to those pharaohs that used to exist. You'll have new insights into the wildernesses that you've lived through. You'll have new insights into your past and that will free you to live into your present in a different way. And the magic of scripture is that God always invites us back into the present moment where evangelicalism did so much harm is it was constantly trying to take you to some magical heavenly world outside of all of the problems and pain and the complications of what it meant to be human. And yet Jesus is always trying to bring us back to the present moment, right? Would your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? It's an invitation for right here and right now in the present tense. It's not an invitation for a heaven later on. It's bringing the the reality of heaven here on earth now. That's what we're invited into. That if you are liberated, if you are somebody who's maturely lived through your liberation and you're a person who can now offer hope to other people, because you see your past in a different way, and now you have the capacity to change your future. It allows you to live in the present in a radical, new, and revolutionary way. That's the gift of Exodus. And that we all want to live lives where we believe that our future can hold anything for us. It's why I can celebrate Brittany. It's not the fear of change or loss. It's the celebration that I know who she is. I know she's healthy and healed, and transformed, and matured, and that she'll have things to figure out in life, but she has all of the tools to do that. And I can celebrate these next adventures, that she has the ability to be this person who offers hope to other people and to their storms. That's why I can celebrate it, that she just wasn't liberated for her sake. She wasn't just liberated for Sammy's sake. She was liberated for all of our sakes, I've been doing therapy. Uh, Actually, let me tell one other thing about Jesus uh, before I get into therapy. Uh, Everything I believe about Jesus fits into the Exodus story as well. It's this universal story of liberation, where it's no longer just a story for one people or uh, one tribe. This is a story for all of humanity, that the story of crucifixion and resurrection is a story that we all live into. It's the same story of Exodus, that there are Fridays and pains and hurts and difficulties in our lives that we can't escape. And somehow through all of that, not by avoiding the pain or escaping the pain or praying it away or having enough money to fly in first class over our pain, but only by going through it are we truly liberated. Only by going through it will we ever truly be able to live into our present moments. Only by going through it will we be able to reinterpret our pasts. Only by going through it will we be people who bring hope and free other people for their future. And so I've been so uncomfortable the last month. I've been going through all of this therapy and doing this visualization therapy where I'm addressing so many of the pharaohs in my life. Where a lot of the therapy I've been doing is addressing where are the parts of Corey that have been protectors who think that they're intentionally trying to protect me from things, even though they're just really scared. And so we do this visualization therapy where you kind of go back into seasons and memories of your life and you experience something. And as I went back and I found these protectors in my life, these pharaohs who are just scared, the first visualization therapy I did, I immediately found this six-year-old little boy version of me. And the six-year-old boy, little version of me, was sitting in the room all by himself playing with Legos, but he was scared and he was ready to fight back whenever he needed because this little boy lived in a house where he knew that at any time the arguing or the yelling could begin. The verbal and emotional abuse could spring through those doors and you have to be ready for battle. It doesn't matter that you're six years old. You will fight or you will die. And through that visualization therapy in a moment with something beyond myself, my 35-year-old self. My 35-year-old self who's been liberated, who experiences hope, who's had good tools, was able to go in that room and sit down with that six-year-old boy. And my therapist said, where would you want to take this little boy? And I just sat there and said, more than anything, this little boy just wants to sit on my lap because now he knows he's finally safe. And we went further through the visualization and we finally came to this moment where I was 15, where I was so angry. I was so angry in this season of life because my sister had been in the throes of a cocaine addiction, that my family felt torn apart, that her two young sons were always living at my house and I was just so mad at her. And in that moment, I was able to go to this incredibly traumatic moment in my life and I was able to talk to this 15-year-old protector of me and say, you are no longer serving me. You are a pharaoh, not the language I used, but you are no longer serving me, that you are angry because you feel unheard, but now 35-year-old version of Corey is here. Now I can look back on my past and say, that past, that pain, those troubles no longer have to rule me. I can keep talking about the 400 years in Egypt because it has something for me, but I can also talk about the moments where I was liberated to a new life, Where do I want to spend time? And I could walk with that 15-year-old version of me and say, you're heard now. And I remember having this visualization where I'm walking away from my home in my mind and this 15-year-old version and six-year-old version of myself are holding my hand. And I know that the 15-year-old version of me felt heard for the first time. And the six-year-old version of me felt held for the first time. I knew that something with me had prepared me for this moment where I could go back to the greatest wounds in my life and I could say, you no longer have to show up. I've got this now. I don't have this because I got this. I got this because I've seen God show up again and again and again when I had nothing left. I've got this because I have a wife who's given me grace after grace after grace to give me space to become the man that I become today. I got this because I've done endless hours of therapy and have dug deeper and deeper and expanded myself when it hurts and when I'm uncomfortable because what other life is there to live? I've done this because of the Brittany Barons around me who have been great friends, who have celebrated and loved me. I've done this because of a community who's been ride or die. I've done this because of others. That's why I've got here. And so when my 35-year-old self holds the hand of that 15-year-old and six-year-old, in my mind, I remember walking away from that home that was filled with trauma and abuse. And I said, you don't ever have to go back to that Egypt. That happened a month ago. It took 35 years for me to get to that and find freedom from it. And now I have to go into a new wilderness and learn new patterns and new habits. Because for 35 years, those protectors showed up in my life and they caused a lot of pain And it caused a lot of hurt even to all those people that I just named who were there for me. And so now as I learn lessons where I find freedom from the Egypt that I was in, I now get to be a gift of hope to other people. So I get to pay it back to my wife who's been endlessly gracious to me. I get to be endlessly gracious to her. To Brittany Barron, I get to cheer her on and celebrate her because I'm healthy enough to know that that's what she needs in her life right now. I get to be ride or die for all of the people who never quit on me. And I'm learning it every day. And that final moment in therapy for me was I'm visualizing and I'm walking down this street and all of a sudden I see this little five-year-old girl run out into the street and immediately I knew, immediately I knew in my mind that was my sister who had died 12 years ago. And for the first time in my life, I gotta have compassion on somebody who hurt so many others. And in the imagination of my mind, I got to address one of my deepest wounds and look into her eyes and say, you didn't know any better. You were just trying to protect yourself, and it's okay. And in the visualization of my mind, that little girl got to hold hands with my 15-year-old self and my six-year-old self And I got to remind myself that 35-year-old Corey has this because I've been through some storms and I've been to the other side and there's still storms ahead of me that I'm so scared of and I don't know how I'll get through. But I have hope that there's a God who will liberate me. And maybe you're in a place right now where you don't have it. You don't have those tools. You don't have those friends. You don't have that therapist. You don't have a ride or die. It's okay. It's okay. This is not a story of you've got this, you might not. And I think that's where God's gonna come in and stand in between you and a storm, be a liberator for you. And for those of you that do, man, trust yourself right now. Trust that you can handle this. Trust that these big ancient stories were not stories about literal facts. They were stories that say, this is your journey. This is your story of freedom. This is not about you memorizing about someone else's story 3,000 years ago. This is about you today in July of 2020 saying, this is where I'm at and this is what I can handle and this is what I can't handle. But no matter where I go ahead of me, the story will always be this, that God does hear your cries, that you are not alone in this journey, that you will get through this, that God will stand in front of you in this storm. And that one day, from the hope that you experience from today. You will have so much hope to offer others.
1: There's a world at war, caught in suffering. Silent casualties Oh God, grant us peace In these sleepless nights I can hardly breathe Despite brutality I know that we'll be free I know that we'll be free
2: so let the light keep it shining let it break into the darkness. All the love is us to see. We'll all be free. Let the light keep it shining. Let it break into the darkness. All the love is us to see. We'll all be free. In
1: these desperate times. Love will hold us here Love will join our hands Teach us to have no fear So we lay our head down To wash their feet When we see our brothers Oh, we'll all be free Oh yes, we'll all be free so
2: let the light keep it shut break into the darkness all the love theres us to see we'll all be free let the light us to see We'll all be
0: free. I'm a hot, sweaty, tearful mess. Thanks for going along on that journey. I just know that when I started New Abbey, I made a commitment to myself as a pastor that I was never going to fake it. That sometimes I got to give sermons when I'm figuring it out, but I'm not figuring it out from a blank canvas. I'm not figuring it out from nothing, I'm figuring it out with lots of narratives behind me, with lots of support, with lots of love, and so are you. And so trust in those places in your life that God's showing up, friends are showing up, a special someone showing up, family, your therapist, you name it, that you need those things. And so right now, if you need space, go take your space. If you wanna process, uh, we have a question for you all to go back into those groups. And to think about and answer with one another. And it's where is God leading you to freedom and liberation? Enjoy. Thanks for listening to the New Abbey podcast. For more information, visit us on the web at www.newabbey.org.